You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to detail our latest power rankings and visit with Tori Petrie of DetroitLions.com plus Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, thanks for taking the time. If Jerry Richardson has agreed to give up day-to-day control of the Panthers and plans on selling the team at the end of the season, why do you think the league investigation into Richardson continues? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, it's the precedent. Um, it's the, you know, do we stop an investigation that we already announced we're doing just because an owner says he's selling? I mean, I think there, you know, certainly some who think they could, but you know, the the things allegedly still happen. The allegations are still there, and I think there's a lot probably to to figure out. You know, what if there are other people who are like that? That would be one one question. Um, you know, did this? Are there people in the organization who were treated in a way that they aren't happy with that want to talk to the NFL? Um, you know, th- those sorts of things. And um, the other part of it is, you know, obviously he's a trustworthy guy. He's an NFL owner. He says he's going to sell the team, uh, but he may not. And so let's say he decides, you know what, I'm just going to keep the team. Then the league will have wasted a lot of time, you know, to uh, between investigation and non-investigation. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to continue this. I think the league will. Ian, the most dangerous team going into the postseason is not getting enough conversation, probably because their quarterback, and that's Jacksonville. Their defense is phenomenal. Uh, the running game is second to none. The play of Blake Bortles over the last three weeks, 71% passing, putting up seven touchdowns, no INTs. If he can continue that trend, how dangerous could that team be in a team B be in the, in the postseason? Well, I mean, look, they're, they're a viable postseason team if he's an average, regular, just completely fine quarterback. He's been, I mean, really, if he doesn't turn the ball over and he manages to get the handoff, you know, to get the ball from the center to Leonard Fournette, really they're a pretty good team. If he's going to play better than that, then they're very dangerous because, you know, look, their defense is great. I mean, really, really, really great. Um, but they're going to need someone to make a play. They're going to, at some point, the, the opponent's going to go down and score a touchdown, and they're going to need Bortles to lead them back. If he's capable of doing that, it changes everything because then they you know, no longer go from being a team that's kind of happy to be in the playoffs. They go, from a team, they go to a team that can actually win a game or two or more because their defense is so good that they can ruin anything you want to do offensively. So they definitely got a shot. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, what can you tell us about the likelihood of Bruce Arians deciding he wants to continue as head coach of the Cardinals, come back next year, because he's denied reports a month ago that he could be retiring? Well, it's an open question right now. Uh, I, I know that. And, you know, look, it, it's gonna ha- you're going to get an answer. you probably get an answer the final week of the season. Uh, we don't know. We don't know if he's coming back or not. I mean, I think the Cardinals are preparing if he is or not. Um, they'll be ready regardless. Uh, I certainly know people close to him who think he's going to retire. Uh, a lot of those same people thought so last year, you know? And so that's, I think that's one of the tough things is, 
we've been through this before. We went through this exact same thing last year when everyone thought he was gone, everyone prepared for him to retire, and he just didn't. Um, he may not this year too, and uh, but I think we'll probably find out pretty quickly. Marvin Lewis has done, a, I would say, a, a very good job uh, with that football team, considering how that organization was going back to when I was there in 1995. Uh, it, was, it, just, it just wasn't a good look as far as an organization is concerned in the National Football League, but he's turned it around. Give me your take. Right. Do you think he becomes a head coach uh, after this season, or does he go back to being an assistant like a defensive coordinator or a linebackers coach, something to that extent? I'll choose option C. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance he goes into personnel in the front office. You know, he's, I mean, I think he'll have a couple options. You know, NFL office would be one option. He's on the competition committee. Certainly working with the league office would be something that would make sense for him. Um, and uh, that would be one. And, you know, I think being in personnel is something that he would really like. Um, I talked about it last weekend. So um, I think that's probably a better option. I don't think he's going to go be a coordinator anywhere. Uh, as far as being a head coach, certainly possible. Uh, but I would probably not characterize that as likely. Ian, let's wrap it up in New England with this curious story. Do you know why Tom Brady's longtime trainer and business associate Alex Guerrero is no longer allowed to be on the Patriots sideline or travel on the team plane? I think a better question is why was it allowed to begin with? Uh, I, I don't know any other instance where a player's personal trainer slash friend is allowed any of those things. You know, he has an office in Gillette, which is certainly surprising. Um you know, he is allowed. Was allowed on team plays. He was allowed in the locker room. That those are the kind of privileges that are not allowed from anyone. Uh, so I was surprised at this whole thing, and uh, you know, the fact that it's sort of back to normal and he's being treated like everyone else's personal trainer uh, is not. Uh, you know, it, to me, it just basically brings it back to the status quo. And of course, I can understand why a team would want to side with their own medical people, their own trainers. That's why they have them. They're there to work with their players. Um, so it's kind of an odd situation, but I really think it's going to be fine. Ian, great information as always. Look forward to chatting with you on Sunday when we get to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Thanks, Ian. All right. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. This is Jay Connor, And this is Alex Hardy. And we're the co-hosts of The Extraordinary Negroes. Each week we talk about relevant issues within our community. Stuff like entrepreneurship, parenthood, mental health. And the latest shenanigans. With some of your favorite media personalities. But we make it a point to infuse humor. And colorful language. In order to make these often heavy subjects as relatable as possible. Because who says you can't be informative and entertaining? So check us out every week here on TuneIn. For your weekly dose of humor, insight, and colorful language. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on the Lions playoff push with Tori Petrie of DetroitLions.com. Tori, happy holidays. Thanks for taking the time again this week. What can you tell us about the running back position? Looks like Theo Reddick could be the featured back, but he's been dealing now with a wrist injury and Amir Abdullah not pleased about his reduced role last week. Well, the good news is that Theo Riddick uh, did practice today. He was listed as full practice on the injury report. So that's always good to see a step in the right direction uh, for him. Uh, but Amir Kula did play some last week. Uh, didn't play uh, the greatest amount of snaps, uh, but he did get to play some. And, you know, you know we'll just kind of see. Play, uh, coaches were insistent that the week before that he didn't, play because of the injury in Tampa Bay and that they were hoping that he would be back to normal uh, by 
Saturday for that game. He did play some. He played uh, as a returner on special teams as well a little bit. So, you know, he, he had a role, uh, but we'll, we'll see what that role looks like moving forward, especially uh, as Theo Riddick deals with that wrist injury. Tori, seems as if Matthew Stafford was snubbed uh, from not getting an opportunity to get into the Pro Bowl. Uh, give me your take considering that if he's not on this offense because their inability to have a 100-yard rusher or, or even being consistent at running the football, this team probably wouldn't be nowhere near where they are right now without a Matthew Stafford. Do you think he's been snubbed? Or have you heard anything from him or anyone around saying that he should be in? Well, I think a lot of people think he was snubbed. He's not really getting too worried about it. He said that, you know, it doesn't bother him. He doesn't have time to be bothered by it because he's worried about the Bengals, uh, yada, yada. But, um, you know, he's a great player, and you're exactly right in that this team wouldn't be where it, would, where it is without Matthew Stafford. He is the backbone of that offense, uh, and he's been a great quarterback for this team. So, you know, He's played great this season. Uh, it is a little bit surprising to not see him on there, but, you know, who knows? We may still see him play because we obviously know Carson Wentz isn't going to play in the Pro Bowl because of his injury. So that means the first alternate gets in, uh, and Stafford is the second alternate for the NFC. So who knows? If, if another one of those guys drops out, it could be could end up being Stafford going anyways. But I think another one of the real Pro Bowl stops is Wilbur Quinn, and he talked a little bit about that today. Lions 8-6 and six, getting ready for a straightforward matchup, albeit on the road against the 5-9 and nine Cincinnati team that got crushed by Minnesota on Sunday. Getting you set with our friend Tori Petrie from DetroitLions.com and the Lions team channel here on TuneIn. Tori, let's talk about someone who will be going to Orlando unless Detroit's playing in the Super Bowl for the first time in franchise history. Quarterback Darius Slay going to the Pro Bowl for the first time. What has he meant to the defense? Oh, he's been huge for this defense this season. And that whole secondary has really. I mean, Gary Slay has no question been having a Pro Bowl season. He absolutely deserves to get in. I think we all saw it coming. Uh, so it was really no surprise to see that happen. But it's not just him who's been playing well on in the secondary. It's been Glover Quinn. It's been Darius Slay. It's been Quandre Diggs. Uh, you know, even the rotation of Nevin Lawson, DJ Hayden, Keith Tabor on the other side of Darius Slay has, has played well also. Uh, but, I mean, Darius Slay, absolutely seven interceptions, uh, leading the league in that category for sure deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. And he's pretty pumped about it because it's his first one. When you look at what they do on offense, uh, it's all about the receivers and, of course, the offensive line and the backs being able to make plays uh, the best time and when they can. Losing Kenny Galladay uh, to an injury to a hamstring week three, you end up moving up T.J. Jones. Uh, and he's put on IR. How big of a hit is it being that he was the third receiver on this on this team, uh, not being able, to be, being able to be put in because of the IR situation because of an injury? Yeah, that certainly is unfortunate uh, for T.J. Jones. I know he hates it. He posted about it on social media yesterday just about how disappointed he was with having to go on IR. And and he's been a key player for this team. He kind of flies under the radar. He's not a huge name, and uh, he's not widely recognized. But he's caught some key passes and uh, kind of has been quietly in the shadows there uh, helping this team out. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Kenny Galladay. He's back out there. So, you know, they, they do have some guys that they can rely on in T.J. Jones' stead. Uh, but you hate it for guys when they get injured like that. 
Chatting with Tori Petri, DetroitLions.com, Lions team channel here on TuneIn. Tori, last one for me. What is the state of the offensive line that's been dealing with so many injuries? Yeah, I mean, no kidding. This offensive line, you thought you knew what five starting guys were going to play for the majority of this season, but they've only played one or two games together uh, because there's been one of them injured at one point or another. Obviously, Taylor Decker missed the first half of the season, and then when he came back, T.J. Lang was injured. Rick Wagner's been injured, but Wagner did practice today, so that's a step in the right direction for him. Uh, But today, T.J. Lang and Travis Swanson at center uh, both sat out of practice, so it looks like we might have another week this week where it's not the full, healthy offensive line. Corey, as always, we appreciate the information. Have a great Christmas, and we enjoy the podcast that you and Lomas Brown do every week that you can hear on TuneIn. I have a new name based on the Matthew Stafford answer you gave us, the Seinfeld reference, yada, 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 with Tori and Lomas. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I appreciate you listening. Thanks very much, Tori. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle. Throws. It is five. Take five. Take two. Take one. To the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for Cordell and I to break down the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. A partner of the audience has stayed with us every step of the way at 625 Eastern Time, final hour of the show. The showman in me feels the need to supersize the content. So go have a strawberry Fanta. Take a moment to relax. I'm going to have a bit of a filibuster here because I have strong opinions about which five teams comprise the best five in the NFL. And there's going to be a notable omission you might take issue with. Let's start in the Sunshine State. Number five, my Jacksonville Jaguars. They're 10 and four. And because I've had the great fortune of being able to yell into a microphone for more than 10 minutes, if you know anything about where I worked prior to coming to tune in, I've been consistent. I'm the only guy. Yes, I'm going to be very self-promotional. Dating back to my time at NFL Network in 2012, who believed in Jacksonville. Now, you could say I was delusional. You could say, as we like to say on this show, I was wrong, but for the better part of a half decade, I've been predicting this is the year the Jaguars finally break through, and like a broken clock, I'm finally right. This defense is legit. It's a team that nobody wants to see in the postseason. Somehow, Blake Bortles is playing error-free football over the last three weeks, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. They won last week in grand fashion, annihilating Houston 
to wrap up their trip to the postseason, and they did it without Leonard Fournette. If they can beat the 49ers, and that's going to be a tricky proposition because the Niners have come alive by Jimmy Garoppolo to win three straight games. But if the Jaguars are victorious on the road in the San Francisco Bay Area, Jacksonville wraps up the division title. Number four, we're jumping over to the NFC. Minnesota Vikings, I'll let you blow the horn later. Vikings at 11-3, one of the most complete teams in all of football. If you're just looking at the roster, you know the Steelers have more pro bowlers. In fact, Steelers with the best tally in all of football, but I could construct the logical argument. Minnesota has the most complete roster in the NFL, factoring in what's going on in the secondary because that's obviously a liability for the Steelers. Minnesota going to keep it going. On the road in Green Bay on Saturday. Good news from the Viking perspective. They don't have to contend with Aaron Rodgers. He's been shut down. So a chance to beat Brett Hundley again as they did in week six when Rodgers went down with a broken collarbone. Tremendous defense. Top three in all the important metrics. Talented core of receivers. You know my wait a minute moment when it comes to Minnesota. It's all about Case Keenum who just a couple weeks ago imploded with three turnovers on the road at Carolina. Number three, Fly Eagle Fly. They're 12-2. They should beat Oakland on Monday night. That's the second game of the Christmas doubleheader. And credit their tenacity. They slipped behind on the road on Sunday at the Meadowlands pretty quickly. Early stage of the second quarter, it was 20-7. New York football giants on top, but Nick Foles, was not at all overwhelmed by the magnitude of the moment because he's done this before. The reason why I have the Eagles in front of Minnesota comes down to where they are in the standings. Philadelphia with a great chance to lock up the top seed and with that home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the NFC. And I believe in Nick Foles much more than I believe in Case Keenum. A reminder, since we've been talking Pro Bowl so much today, Nick Foles was once the MVP of the Pro Bowl game. And he showed off his array of talent in that comeback win Sunday against the Giants with four big passing touchdowns. Eagles in great shape to be the top seed. That means they're only going to have to win two playoff games at home to advance to the Super Bowl. Clearly, there's a major disparity when you go from the heights of Carson Wentz to a more serviceable quarterback in Nick Foles. But since we're talking about the notion of a complete roster in Minnesota, that is applicable for the Eagles as well. You know about the defense led by Fletcher Cox, and they can run the football with Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt. At number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not going to talk about officiating anymore. Yes, that is a flawed rule. We should simplify what the definition of a catch is and integrate more common sense But because the rule is on the books, it was enforced properly. And the Steelers still had a great chance to win that game. Ben Roethlisberger made a terrible throw. And I'm not going to give him an alibi based on either miscommunication coming from the sideline or perhaps he was overwhelmed by the drama of the moment. Steelers are going to beat Houston in the first of two games on Christmas. They're going to go to 12-3. But no Ryan Shazier for the rest of the year is a huge obstacle to overcome defensively and that secondary has been shaky major issue that they have to focus on when they get to the postseason hoping antonio brown will be back in time for the playoffs at number one no major surprise 
Certainly, they got some help, it felt like, from the officials. But in the end, the Patriots got it done because Tom Brady was brilliant. Yet another glorious two-minute drill. How in the world was Rob Gronkowski that open, that repeatedly on the road in Pittsburgh? Tough test at home this Sunday against the Bills. Buffalo will be looking for payback after that dirty shot was applied by Gronkowski on Tredavious White. Yes, Tom Brady is taking too many hits. Yes, that defense is shakier than it's been in many years. But the Patriots' history tells us when they have the benefit of a bye, coupled with home field advantage, traditionally, they parlay that into a trip to the Super Bowl. So recapping at number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars. At number four, the Minnesota Vikings. At number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. At number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number one with a bullet, as they used to say in the glory days of Billboard magazine. The New England Patriots, back to you. Pretty darn good. It's not too bad at all. Uh, I have mine in a different order. And it may be a little controversial, but I like it that way at times. Makes it interesting. Allow me to go with number five. Number five, I'm going with the team that's called Saxville. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I don't have the Rams. I'm throwing it out there now. I don't have them in my top five because of their inability of beating Seattle earlier. Also beating Minnesota, Minnesota earlier, losing 24 to 7 and also losing to Philadelphia at home. But I have them at the five and a half. I don't put guys at six. I put them at five and a half, especially when I'm having trouble with keeping them outside. So I have them right on the outskirts looking in. But I'm going with Jacksonville at number five. Jacksonville over the last three games. And this is with the quarterback in Blake Bortles. The reason why this team is going to be successful, yeah, we know about the defense, how tenacious they are when it comes down to getting turnovers, uh, creating issues in the backfield when it comes down to being disruptive. But going back to the turnovers, being also, being able to also get points off of those turnovers, while along with that, being able to create a good field position for this football team. But going back to the reason why I think they will be extremely special, and also with the running game with Leonard Fournette when he's healthy in company in that offensive line and receiving core. Hopefully Lee's ankle is okay. Uh, he'll be able to come back in and play. But I tell you what, the reason why this team will be so successful in my opinion as they move forward. Blake Bortles. When was the last time we mentioned Blake Bortles' name in any conversation and how did we mention it? We mentioned it because we thought he didn't belong on the football team, let alone he was good enough to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Maybe a backup somewhere, but it just seemed like things were just too bad and too distraught for him to be able to stay focused and dialed in. But Tom Coughlin comes in and brings in a little life to this young man. I just want to go off of what have you done for me lately? I'm going off of the what have you done for me lately model, which is He's given us three good games, 71.4% passer completion, putting up 903 yards, seven touchdowns, and this is the big one here. No INTs over the last three games. I tell you what, averaging 35 points per game in the month of December, and I tell you what, what makes it even more special, they locked up an opportunity to getting into the postseason. And to me, over the last three games, based on how Blake Bortles have played, he has helped solidify why this team, I think, is a football team that no one wants to see when it comes down to what's going to take place in the postseason. But they're sitting there primed and ready with the feeling that no one feels they belong there, but they're going to prove why they should. My number four team. Some may get frustrated at this one, but you're going to have to deal with it. I'm going with the Eagles. And the only reason I'm going with the Eagles at this spot is because they don't have Carson Wentz. But they're still in my top five. I think 
when it comes down to Nick Foles and what he's capable of doing, I think he's very capable. I know he gave four touchdowns in that game against the Giants. I get all that. Did a good job in that game, but it's a little different when you have a quarterback like a Carson Wentz that's capable of making those plays that's not put it's nowhere on the game plan you know you can't you can't find that you can't draw it up Nick Foles can't make those plays everything's going to have to be done from the pocket and getting the help from players like the Smallwoods the Clements and also the Jay Ajayi as well as the LeGarrette Blunts of the world to help get over the hump of playing good but they have enough talent around him to be able to get it done so Nick Foles I think he's the oddball in it because he's rusty. He's not as, I would say, as smooth as we would like for him to be, even though he threw some touchdowns. It's great. It's phenomenal. Good for the football team. But when you look at the power of the other teams that I'm going to have ahead of the Eagles, I like where they are, even though one of these teams got a big, hefty loss. But it was one of those types of losses. Well, you know what? I'm about moral victories for the first time in the name of the game. And that's called football. I never give them, but I'm going to do it this time. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at number three. And the only reason I have them at number three at this moment in time and ahead of the Eagles is because I believe in what they do. And the reason they dropped from where they were to where they are now is because of Antonio Brown and his injury and hoping that this team can fight their way back. I like them a little bit more and I like the Eagles because I know what they're capable of doing. I think with 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 with, with Le'Veon Bell coming out of the backfield, Antonio Brown's going to be back as they move forward. I think he's going to come back when it comes to the postseason. But I like what this defense is capable of doing. I like this offense. I think Ben Roethlisberger, when he stops whining and complaining and making it seem like it's everyone else's fault but his own, that's when this team can actually put themselves in position to be at the very top. But as of right now, I give them the third spot because the quarterback in Pittsburgh to me is much better than the quarterback they have there with the Eagles and Nick Foles. And my number two spot, you know who it is. Can I get the horn, please? Do we have that thing available? I haven't heard it in a while. Case Keenum! That's Case Keenum in the Minnesota Vikings. And I have a case for you, Brian Weber. I tell you what, they had a tough game against the Carolina Panthers, but the Carolina Panthers are on a roll. I think what we saw, what they did to your favorite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, they forced him to throw three interceptions and also caused a fumble where they actually end up recovering it, the Carolina Panthers, which cost them the game. That's four turnovers by not just the Minnesota Vikings with three, but you had them with the Green Bay Packers with four. That's a total of seven. Seven turnovers that the Carolina Panthers were capable of creating. So, hey, you know what? That's just been a stickler for this football team in Carolina when it comes to their defense and what they're capable of doing. But I'm putting Case Keenum. I said it. Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings. And I have a case for you. Case closed. This team is another football team in the NFC that I don't think no one truly wants to see, especially when they're playing at home in that beautiful dome that they have. They've been pretty darn successful beating the L.A. Rams, beating them down to the ground, literally. I mean, beat them down so bad that we only allowed them to score seven points in that entire game, beating them 24-7. to I just think that's how good that defense is. And when we see this offense actually clicking on cylinders that we know, they don't need to be out of eight, all of them hitting at one time. Just give me five to six of them. I think we got five to six of them. And maybe because the Cincinnati Bengals didn't have as many starters on the second on the, on the defensive side of the football because of injury, that's why you end up seeing this Minnesota Vikings taking advantage. But you know what? They don't ask you how'd you arrive. They just ask you how do you finish and how are you leaving. They lost, I guess, pretty darn gimpy. A little bit more than what they were when they came in Cincinnati and Minnesota took care of business. So it's Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings at number two. And last but not least, the team that just gets away with everything. 
I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I mean, look at Rob Gronkowski and what he did to the young man there with the Buffalo Bills. That only allowed them to have only a one-game suspension. I know this is not about suspension. But I'll just tell you how lucky this football team is. Look at Jesse James, which I think I've been on the phone talking with everyone yesterday, whether it was in Dallas, whether it was in San Francisco, everywhere talking about when are we going to get to the point where you're going to start calling things catches the right way, but because of the rule, and I think it was an attorney that made the rule, I think that ended up causing that play along with Des Bryant and also Kelvin Johnson. But we're not going there to be an incomplete pass. We're not going there. This is about the Patriots and what they're capable of doing, and I think what they've been able to do, bouncing back from the Miami Dolphins loss on the road there in Miami to go into Pittsburgh and steal it again. I mean, they steal it. I don't care how you call it cheap, whatever you call They steal it. They stole another one. They took it from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's why you play the game, and I'm more than sure they'll probably end up seeing them in the postseason, but deservingly so. The Patriots at the number one spot. They have the godfather, I would say, and Tom Brady at the helm getting it done, and everyone else is just playing their part extremely well, being steady, being patient, playing till the bitter end, and end up giving themselves an opportunity to even at the latter part of the game get in turnover when there was a ton of confusion on the sideline for the Pittsburgh Steelers, wondering if he should spike it, wondering if he shouldn't spike it, and then before you know it, he goes and blames the coach. So the Patriots deserve to be number one because you know what? It's not about booing moral victories, even though I want to give the Steelers one. I don't think it's going to count in the win column. If anything, it's going to stay in the L where it belongs because they didn't deserve the win because they wasn't capable of getting it done. They didn't finish the game so the Patriots are at number one. And I'm going to take you back through it again. My number five, Blake Bortles. Three games, no interceptions, 903 yards, seven touchdowns, averaging 35 points a game, the Jacksonville Jaguars. At number four, the Eagles. The only reason why they're there is because of the quarterback and Nick Foles. I think he needs to get his feet wet, keep him under him over the next couple weeks, and I think maybe they may climb in the rankings as we move forward. Team overall is phenomenal. I just think the quarterback position, it's not as strong as it was like it was with Case with uh, Carson Wentz, excuse me. So I have them at number four. And at number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tony. Neil Brown's not in, but I still like the quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger over a Nick Foles. Overall, I think this team is playing a little mad, a little ticked off. So I'll put him at three, but Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings are sitting at number two, arguably one of the better teams, most probably inexperienced, maybe quarterback because no one's really giving him a chance. What I say experience or, or did most disrespect the quarterback in the game and he's been doing nothing but do a phenomenal job as the backup coming in taking the starting job to be just that and help this team win the division and also try to find a way to get the number one seat so that's Case Keenum in the Minnesota Vikings at two and at number one the Patriots the guys that find ways to win and they truly do play for 60 minutes and they need extra time an extra leg like they did last year in the, in the Super Bowl to make sure they close the deal they can do that too so I have the Patriots sitting at number one back to you well done the most comprehensive analysis of power rankings in all of professional football now Cordell I'm a bit confused you are aware that Philadelphia has a better record than Minnesota the record doesn't determine the power rankings okay well, go ahead it, it's often a guideline though something that you would process Well, it, it gives you something every once in a while but it's also the projection you have moving forward but go ahead I'm listening no that was my only observation so clearly you believe in Case Keenum more than Nick Foles I believe in the Minnesota Vikings, see, because you like to break it down to quarterbacks like you did with the with the uh, Green Bay Packers and how'd that work out. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. 
from week one to week 17. Jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, because Cordell is a former Steeler, I'm going to let him handle Sunday's game. I want to start with something juicier. What's going on with the reports that Bill Belichick is not a huge fan of Tom Brady's longtime trainer and business partner, Alex Guerrero? Well, um, I think it makes a lot of sense, quite frankly. Um, Let's be honest. Guerrero preaches and teaches sort of alternative options uh, to Tom Brady. And anyone who's looked into not only the TB12 method and this whole business, but Alex Guerrero's past understands that. And um, I think Bill went along with it for a while just to sort of keep his superstar quarterback happy. But at some point it reached a boiling point and, you know, he's not looking to have the guy around anymore. And I think on some level, it's a personal issue. Um, Coach Belichick has a really good relationship with most of his training staff, obviously. But Moses Cabrera, the Patriots strength and conditioning coach, um, is basically Belichick's personal trainer. They hang out a lot. Um, if you've ever looked at the combine, um, sometimes the guy that, that Belichick's sitting with at the combine is Moses Cabrera. Um, and there aren't a lot of people that you see around Belichick with regularity. And so Moses is an insider with Belichick. And, you know, you look at it now and he's being criticized and the training staff being criticized by this guy who, you know, quite frankly, isn't a doctor, isn't a trainer, isn't a physical therapist. Um, He sort of preaches alternative or Eastern medicine. And it's one thing to go along to get along. But then when this guy is maybe making waves because some of his other clients are getting hurt and, you know, that he's saying that maybe it was because of some of the things the Patriots staff is doing. I think Belichick just had enough and said, you know what, Tom can be with you and these guys can do whatever they want to do when they're outside the walls of Gillette Stadium. But you're not treating guys in here. We're not sending guys to you in here. And you're not getting special privileges like flying on the team plane with us because um, you're more trouble than you're worth at this point. I think that's all it is. You think that's all it is or is it a little bit more? Because I'm wondering now that Alex Guerrero won't be around, um, how would, how much of an effect would that have on Tom Brady from a from a psychological <laughs> standpoint or anything that take place during a game take place during a game? Uh, I think it's a great question because we have um, since Guerrero has sort of been banned or you know no longer on these road trips with with Tom and when he does come it's on Tom's dime and, and it's with you know on his own. Um, Brady's had his three worst games of the season. You know, are those two things connected? I have no idea. You know, Brady also has an Achilles injury. You know, there's some other things. You know, offenses often fade late in the year, and sometimes late in the year quarterbacks struggle a little more than they do early in the season. But the bottom line is he has struggled more in recent weeks than he had previously. And I would also say we know Brady, as great as he is, um, is very much into the fine points of his mechanics. And, And I can tell you he wears wristbands in the preseason that, you know, remind him that say things like uh, footwork, stay closed, you know, things that he probably should, you know, l- learned 30 years ago, but he still reminds himself of those things. Um, you know, he still used to see Tom Martinez, his late throwing coach, 
in the middle of seasons. If he was going through a slump, he would call him or fly out to see him just to get pointers. So this inner circle that he has and this, you know, uh, attention to detail or creature of habit thing is real. And if he in some way is being affected by this, um, that would be unfortunate. But I'd like to think it's more to do with, you know, he's battling an Achilles injury. He's a little banged up. He's getting hit a lot. Um, and that's the reason he hasn't played as well. But it certainly bears watching because, you know, if he continues to not play well, well, then there's two options. You know, some of these guys that think he's going to fall off a cliff are going to start taking victory laps and saying they were right. Or he's unhappy that his, you know, personal guru is not allowed to be with him 24-7. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio, Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, I know you're busy doing your own programs, but I'm guessing you're aware of what's going on with the local media and fans in your region. How are Patriot fans reacting to how well Jimmy Garoppolo has played since becoming the starter for the Niners? You know, it's funny. I think a lot of fans on the surface are rooting for him. They liked what he did here. Um, They like the idea of him being a franchise quarterback. But then it's like with every ensuing win or touchdown pass, and you combine it with this whole issue going on with Brady, it's like they're pulling off the support just a little bit. Um, One, because I think they're starting to worry that it's going to look bad, that the 49ers got a franchise quarterback for a second-round pick and that this guy is, you know, the savior for a franchise and you didn't get a first-round pick for maybe didn't maximize that asset. And then secondary to that would be, you know, they're starting to wonder, is there some rift, as everyone's been calling it locally, between Belichick and Brady? Um, You know, is there any chance that Brady, God forbid, could retire after this year? Is is this going to end somehow the worst possible way where after this season the Patriots don't have Brady and Garoppolo? So it's almost like as much as they want Garoppolo to succeed and they like him, um, they're starting to be a little hesitant that they don't want him to succeed too much too fast until they figure out exactly what's going on on their end here in New England with Brady. And when you watch Jimmy Garoppolo, because I know you may have taken a peek here and there, or at least go back and yep. check the DVR to see how he played. But, you know, that, that presence that he brings to that organization is identical to what we see with Tom Brady. Do you think that's the reason why he's being able to go out on the football field the way he has and has the rhythm within those plays? Because every passing route has a rhythm in a sense of how you drop back. He's very rhythmic with what he does there in San Francisco already. And you have to assume as they move forward, because I think they're going to give him a long-term deal. Why shouldn't they? He's five years in the game and he's still young and he's still great from a standpoint of what he's learned from Bill Belichick. Do you think he actually takes this to the next level and become the team to beat in that division? You know, I, I think there's a chance because we all know when you have the quarterback, you, you have a big part of the, the puzzle. And I think they have their quarterback. They have a ton of money. They have draft picks. They are set up with a guy that Bill Belichick thinks is a great coach and Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, they have a lot of pieces in place where you, it's not hard to envision them going um, to successful endeavors down the road. And just in terms of Garoppolo, I will say I never had any doubts watching him for, you know, three and a half years. Never had any doubts if he had the intangibles of playing quarterback in the NFL. He handled the situation here in New England, I think, perfectly. Um, whether it was being the backup, whether it was you know thrown into a weird situation where he was going to be the starter to start last year, but Brady was still getting all the reps in training camp and answering all the questions and all those things. He handled it perfectly. Guys love him. 
He's a leader. Uh, all of that he had. The only question was, can he play quarterback? You know, can he stay healthy, stay on the field, and complete passes as an NFL quarterback? And he's answering some of those questions. But even there, I'll say, he's always been at his best in an up-tempo, two-minute offense or, you know, running out of the gun like he did uh, for Eastern Illinois. He, he's always shined there. You know, some of the times it bogged down would be, you know, early in games where he's running just sort of the traditional uh, huddle up, slow it down offense, half-court offense like basketball. Um, but, no, I, I always thought he was a top half of the league starter. The only question is, is he special? And, you know, you never want to label a guy special uh, three starts into his uh, career with a new team, but he certainly is impressing everybody out. You, you can hear nothing but positives out of San Francisco. I mean, when you hear John Lynch say, if we had had a guy like this in Tampa Bay, I would have won multiple Super Bowl rings, five Super Bowl rings. That tells you how much, even though that's probably a dumb thing to say to put pressure on a guy, that shows you how impressive the guy has been. And certainly Brad Johnson loving those remarks as well. Andy Hart, <laughs> Patriots.com radio, Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, last one for me, given all the injuries connected to other strong MVP contenders like Carson Wentz, now Antonio Brown. Is Tom Brady clearly the front runner to win the MVP? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a quarterback award. We know that more often than not. I mean, pretty much if you're going to win it as a receiver or a running back, you better have 2,000 yards for your name. Um, and I don't, I don't think so. That the, you know, I know uh, Sean McVay is trying to talk up Todd Gurley and what he's brought to the Rams this year, and he's had a great year. But it's a quarterback award, and unless Brady really falls on his face the next couple of weeks, um, you know, I think he wins it. Antonio Brown, people were trying to talk up which I'm not even sure you can make a legitimate case for him just because of the talent he's surrounded by with Roethlisberger and Bell in the backfield. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really, really Brady's award to lose right now. But I'll say one thing. Anyone who's watched the Patriots the last three weeks, you could argue that Brady might win the NFL MVP, but that the team MVP might be Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he carried them to victory almost single-handedly in the end of that Steelers game. Um, with that drive at the end and then the block on the touchdown run and the two-point conversion where he's essentially laughing in a fellow NFL player's face because he couldn't cover him. Um, And that's two of the last three weeks where Gronk has had nine-plus catches for 147-plus yards, uh, more than half of Brady's production, and, oh, by the way, the game in between that he didn't play because he was suspended. Uh, The Patriots lost in Miami and didn't convert a a single third down. So um, I think you can make a strong case that Rob Gronkowski is the MVP of the Patriots right now. Andy, great information as always. We appreciate the time. Apparently Cordell's in a holiday frame of mind because I gave him a chance to talk about Sunday's game, and he's not going to take it. We're going to let you go, Andy. Yeah, it's a, it's a little strange that he didn't want to talk about well, that. Quiet but, over there, hey, Cordell. Maybe we can look forward to a rematch, right, Cordell? Everybody <laughs> exactly, that, Andy. Right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. We'll chat with you soon. See you, guys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.